BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all basketball wagering needs, including pro college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs or March Madness with live in-game betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. Programming note, just wanted to thank Mike Pilatrello of MLB.com for joining us this week. As the show goes a little long, the first part of the show goes into what metrics go on with StatCast and a conversation with Chris as yeah, with ten, we went about 30 minutes on that. So thanks to Mike again. And then the rest of the show going in, what was going on with spring training, just a fair warning for everybody who does listen with kids in the car. We did play the Tarek Skubal audio in which he does say the word, the F word. So uh, I will try to censor it, but just giving you guys a heads up. It's out there. And thanks for listening. We appreciate all the donations as well. So there's a donation link for Bob. I'm heading out to Lakeland tomorrow. Well, it'll be Saturday. So next week, we'll be streaming live from Lake. Well, I'll be streaming live from Lakeland with the guys. So have a good week, everybody. Hey, and, and welcome back to Motor City Metrics. We are uh, pleased to be joined once again uh, by MLB.com. What national writer, I believe, is the official title there. Uh, podcast host to be determined. Uh, and, and, and general StatCast uh, evangelist, Mike Petriello. Mike, uh, thanks for joining us again. That's a pretty good introduction. I'll take that. I, I appreciate all those words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't uh, last last I heard the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Uh, you guys were taking a little bit of a hiatus, and I, I haven't heard any updates on that. Yeah, we kind of brought it to an end. Myself and Matt Myers um, had been doing it in some form for like eight years, and uh, a lot of fun. And I was I was really shocked and touched by how many people reached out and said, "No, no, keep doing it," because I had no idea what the listeners' numbers were. But it's time to take a break, and uh, we'll see what's next. All right, so we're still still up in the air there, but that's no, that's good. You know, it was funny. One of the, uh, I kind of started as a bit of a guest on this version of the baseball podcast, and, and one of the first things I talked about was spin rate, which I'm sure was something that I picked up from you guys in the, the early versions of your podcast because it would have been about 2015, 2016, I think. Yeah, and, that's uh, uh, that's when everything started. And I think at that time, you know, Justin Verlander was still a tiger and, and it was like, oh, so this is part of the reason why he's so good is the spin rate on his fastball. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Thinking about him as a tiger. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. You know, Tigers fans are still hoping that, that uh, you know, that there's talk about like, well, I see when he goes in the Hall of Fame, is he going to have a tiger's cap on? And it's like, well, you know, it's been kind of a while now. Unless he comes back and like finishes as, a, as an elite closer or something like that, I don't know. He may he may go uh, logo list like Jim Leland does. See what happens there. But yeah. so let's jump into it, uh, Mike. In terms of it's Tigers, they're gonna they're expected to do some things this year. Whether I mean the projections are third place, but based off some of the the numbers indicated, there's a couple of guys that really kind of embraced certain pitches last year. We noticed this in across the system. The changeup seemed to be Robert Lung's favorite pitch to bring up. But as far as as far as a stat cast uh dar- I want to say I hate using the term darlings, but was there anything in terms of the, the relievers, Jason Foley now is talking about bringing up a changeup. Was there any standouts to you last year that kind of surprised you among in the in the pitching department? 
Well, um, among the Tigers, yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting because if you look at the guys that were there, I mean, you know, Foley, I think, had kind of a breakout year. Uh, Alex Lang a little bit. I'm kind of interested in Tyler Holton, I think, to some mm-hmm. extent. Um, you know, he he overperformed probably a little bit. He had, what, like a 210 ERA. And I don't think any uh, underlying metric actually like, supports that well. But, you know, he pitched pretty well for a guy who I think was a waiver claim, if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. They got him for, you know, essentially nothing. And, uh, you know, he's, he's pretty interesting, at least because, uh, you know, if you look at the, um, the slider and the cutter, I like it when a guy throws both of those. I find that to be like an interesting archetype. And, uh, you know, it gets above average horizontal movement on both. But it was really when I look at the um, like the run values, right, you can put a value on every pitch type and it's not just the outcome. It's every pitch, right? Like you get ahead from, you know, you get a first pitch strike. It's a valuable pitch, even if it ends up later on in the plate appearance, it's a home run. And all five, well, five of his six pitches were in the red were positive, which I thought was kind of cool. A lot of times you'll see a guy with like a very good pitch over here and a very terrible pitch over there. And if you look at the pitches other than the, the curveball, which you didn't, you know, barely through it all he had kind of positive outcomes on all of those pitches which i found really interesting especially for a reliever who you know how many relievers are 95 in a slider or whatever and it's almost like a starter's repertoire to the bullpen which is kind of interesting yeah i don't know if it was you or or somebody else but they pointed out that he kind of led baseball last year in pitches that ended up in outs it was it was over 20 percent. so like every fifth pitch resulted in an out which was kind of wild to me um yeah, he was definitely a pleasant surprise uh, last year among the relievers and, and became incredibly reliable. Um, what, one of the things, though, I, I want to mention on the Tigers pitching staff, uh, and, and we noticed because we paid attention to the Tigers all the time, but uh, I think basically they were out of it after April, so not many people were checking in in August and September, but you wrote a really nice article about Tarek Skubal and how he was basically the best pitcher in baseball uh, in the second half last year. So I don't know if you want to share some of your observations from that article. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're right. I can't say I watched, you know, in person or on TV, a ton of late season Tigers baseball, although that's going to change this year, partially because they're going to be better, partially because my pal Jason Benetti is going to call your games, yes. which I'm very excited about. Uh, but yeah, as far as school book goes, I mean, you know, I was a bit of an inflammatory thing to write that he was like the best starting pitcher in baseball because he threw 80 innings, but in those 80 innings, you know, the best fielding independent pitching and the best uh, expected ERA and all that. And what I was attempting to do when I wrote about him was, is this a fluke or is it, you know, real? And not to the extent I think he's going to be the best starting pitcher in baseball this year because he did face some really dreadful offenses down the stretch, which helped him a little bit, I think. But, you know, you want to know, is it was it like a crazy low BAPIP? Is it just something that's not sustainable? And what I I found pretty optimistic when I looked into it, and I'm sure you guys know a lot of this already, is that there's so many real changes under the hood from a guy who was like a pretty well-regarded prospect before he got hurt in the first place that I'm cautiously optimistic that, I mean, he's going to be good. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, Just to give you some examples of the things I found, I think that the obvious thing that everybody knows is he's throwing a lot harder, right? Uh, He's, I think, fourth. Uh, fourth hardest velocity from a lefty starting pitcher or something like that. And, uh, you know, in the past, he'd been like 94 last year is up to almost 96, which is wild from a left-handed hitter. Um, the other things I noticed is he moved his spot on the mound a little bit, which I'm really interested about. I don't know if that was his idea, coaching staff, combination of both perhaps. Um, but the the thing that stood out to me the most is the changeup moves so differently than it did. 
And one of the things I'm hoping we can do at some point this year is put out like a little bit of a leaderboard on the site on Baseball Savant that shows how much uh, seam shifted wake guys are using. Um, we don't have that yet, but I'm pretty sure his changeup has a lot more of it. You know, and we know he's going to drive on and mess with the grip and all this. And when you look at how much more uh, movement it, it's had, like I compared 2020 to 2023, it's got nine more inches of drop and four more inches of movement, uh, horizontal movement while throwing it harder. That's the key, right? If you throw it softer, you can get a little more drop because there's more time. He did that and he's throwing it harder. Just wild to me. So, you know, you put all that together, fingers crossed on health. That's where it always is. There's nothing here that says to me, this is fake. This He can't do this. The talent's not there. Just prove it, which I know I say that as though it's easy, but it's not. But I do believe it. Yeah, no, I'd love to see a, a leaderboard like that. You know, one of the, one of the things you know, we we follow these guys from the minors on, and and I think the hardest thing for anybody to figure out is a player's ability to adapt and uh, basically prove himself. Uh, it's it's like the JD Martinez theorem, right? Where <laughs> you like you can know a guy even as a scout, and you're not going to know if he's got what it takes to completely remake his swing. Or with Scoople's case, he was in the minors throwing almost exclusively fastballs because hitters in the minors couldn't hit it and he gets to the majors and that doesn't quite work. And so he's, and he, a couple of years ago, he tried a splitter and abandoned that. And, and, but he's got whatever it takes uh, in his personality to, to try new things and, and make sure that they work. And uh, yeah, I mean, leaderboards don't, don't, don't tell you that either, but it'll be fun to, to look and say, okay, well, this guy made huge changes and it's uh, effective. And, and that's something that I think, uh, you know, is, is bonus points for a player. You know, we we can't measure the uh, contents of a man's soul just yet, yeah. but we'll get there someday. <laughs> we could try. If he falls in the Springfield mystery spot, I uh, I very much enjoyed your 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 tweet about the Orioles injuries today. Um, <laughs> the, the the other uh, starting pitcher on the, on the Tigers uh, who's kind of fascinating to me is in in the opposite way is Matt Manning because you look at his his Statcast page or his Baseball Savant page and everything is blue except for his extension, which is was borderline elite, uh, and yet. He also manages to limit hard contact in a way that seems uh, impossible. <laughs> Not impossible, but like it just doesn't seem with the, with the lack of swing and miss. It, it's kind of odd. So I don't know if you have any insight onto what's going on there. If it, is it just extension? Is there something strange with this fastball slider tunneling? I would like to be more optimistic on Matt Manning than I am, but I'm pretty much out. Like the the extension's cool, right? So for people who don't yeah. know, it's how far do you get off the mound? You. It's not 60 feet, six inches, right? It's really as long or as short as you choose to make it based on how far you can get off the mound. And that's great. Less time for the batter to react, to react is generally a good thing. But I know he's had some injuries. We've seen him in parts of three seasons, and his strikeout rate has been very poor in each of those three seasons. And I know the ERA the last couple of years has been okay, like three and a half or something. Last year, the expected ERA was like five and a half because he's not missing bats. The hard hit rate was fine last year and i just i haven't really ever seen him put it together you know like at least school believe before he got hurt you could see some signs right mm -hmm. maybe even casey mize you could see some signs and with manning kind of since day one like i can't remember ever watching him and thinking yes this is it this is the matt manning you expect and I, like i know that all sounds bad and i feel bad saying it i don't want to say the guy's career is over at 26 or whatever <laughs> like maybe there's still something more in there um but it's been a long time since he was that number nine overall pick it was like mm -hmm. 
seven or eight years ago, I guess at this point. And there's just not a whole lot in the pitch profile that stands out to me as like, this is something they're going to build on and make him that elite starter. You might think now, maybe he's a reliever at some point, maybe he's on another organization at some point, but when your question starts with uh, the extension, I guess is being the best thing that kind of is telling to some extent, right? Yeah. It means there's not a whole lot else to hang your hat on. I mean, it, it, there's another guy too, that's kind of intriguing the opposite side of things where you look at his fastball value in terms of his below and what are you able to do? And that's Reese Olsen. I mean, there's some numbers there that when we saw him in Toledo, right before he got called up, he was getting beat around and people, they were able to make hard contact off him. And granted, there's still the numbers to indicate that there, but I, I don't know. Like the more I look at Reese Olsen, I think this year might be, I, I know the breaking his, his breaking ball in terms of setting up as a secondary pitch to his fastball still needs a little work, but I don't know, man. I feel like there's something he's a little more than a fourth starter to me. I think if he turns out to be a fourth starter, you know, based on his track record, that's still a win, right? Because he hasn't right. really proven to be a consistent guy like that to this point. I, I was looking at him a little bit earlier today, you know, in, in advance of talking to you guys. And I was surprised because I can't say I've watched like a ton of video on him. And when I looked at the movement on his pitches, uh, all of his pitches, maybe not his sinker so much, but all of his other pitchers have very interesting movement in some kind of direction. It's not, you know, like Manning, for example, doesn't really. That's part of why I'm down on him. But you look at uh, at Olsen, it's like it's above average two-plane movement on the slider, which is really cool. Uh, you know, the four-seamer doesn't rise that much, but it's got a little bit of horizontal movement to it. The changeup's got a ton of drop, and the curveball's got great two-plane movement. And I do feel like there's a lot of raw material there for, you know, the Tigers' pitching i want to say pitching factory but they've certainly improved uh, their reputation in that regard nationally over where they were five years ago for example i don't think anyone would say they're the dodgers or the rays just yet but moving in the right direction right and i think this is exactly the kind of guy where a smart team and a smart pitching staff could say there's a lot to like here if we can kind of mold this guy to figure out how to best use him and he's probably one of the most interesting guys in the staff to me because you know like i said i liked um holton and i do but I also think Holton overperformed a little bit last year. And I think with Olsen, we probably haven't seen the best of him yet. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that stuck out to us, when we saw in the minors, it was his changeup seemed to be his best pitch. And, and there was all, he could always spin it really well, too. But it seemed like the location wasn't necessarily ideal. But in the big leagues, you know, the, the, the key got even more spin on his slider and then would throw in the curve every now and then. It's like, okay, this is – it's one of those things where uh, – you know, you're developing everything and then you get to the big leagues and it's like, just throw your best stuff. <laughs> and it seems like, you know what? Okay. So he didn't throw his fastball and his sinker as much and it works. So it, it will be fascinating to see uh, what he does in, in kind of year number two or year uh, 0.75 or whatever, you know, he got about hundred innings. I think the big leagues last year, maybe 90, something like that. But um, I, I, I did want to switch a little bit from the mound to, to hitters, uh, which is kind of an area the Tigers seem middle of the pack in terms of pitching, maybe slightly better if you, you know, optimistic, but the, the, the hitting is still a little bit behind. And, uh, you know, a lot of Tigers fans have been curious about, uh, they haven't done anything about third base, really. And, and Matt Chapman is still out there. And so I was curious if you had any thoughts, uh, you know, kind of statcast leaning thoughts on Matt Chapman. Well, Matt Chapman's a good player, and there's probably a dozen different teams. Um, and, and first of all, thank you for not starting off by asking me about Javier Baez because I have absolutely no idea. I couldn't I have no idea if he's gonna bounce back. I, I wish I could tell you. If I could, I'd be working for the team, I guess, but yeah, I don't. Yeah. Matt Chapman would be a great fit for the Tigers 
I think, even though I think he's mildly overrated, I guess. And I, I don't mean that to say I don't think he's a good player. Like I said, great fit for the Tigers because a uh, young team that wants to get better right now. And he's not a guy who's probably going to need like a six or seven year contract. I wouldn't think. And there's obviously a fit. Like if this means, I don't know, Zach McKinstry plays less. So be it. <laughs> you know, he's Matt Chapman. The only reason I say he's overrated to some extent is he's got this reputation of being an all world defender. And I think that's not quite as true now. I think that was true. I think he's a good third baseman and above average third baseman. I don't think he's the best defensive third baseman in the game anymore, as the reputation would say. And, you know, over the last three seasons or so, he's been like a 10%-ish above average hitter, which is great. Like, that's a very good player with a very good glove. It's just not the kind of guy who the first, like, couple of years in Oakland, you thought, oh, this guy might be like a real dude, like an incredibly good hitting third baseman. He was at first. And, you know, he's slugged under 450 each of the last three seasons. Last year was really weird because got off to an amazing start. It's like the best month of his life in April. And it was awful for the rest of the year. I think he had the best month of his year, of his career. And then I'm pretty sure two of the months after that were the two worst months of his career. And he's doing it in the opposite of the Cody Bellinger mold, which is that he was doing it while still hitting the ball really hard, like his hard hit rate was phenomenal last year. So I would love to tell you, I know what happened there. And I watched the Blue Jays pretty closely. I don't know. So I I worry a little bit about the fact that the, I feel like the decline has started to some extent already. But I think it could be a soft decline because, like I said, he's still a good defender. And when I think about teams who could use him, Tigers are probably top three right there. You know, you, you mentioned Cody Bellinger there, and uh, it, one of the kind of stories that's that's popping up now is is how uh, some of the biggest names in the free agent market are still unsigned. And you know, on the one hand, I see it because some, there's there's a lot of warts with these guys. You mentioned Chapman, like there's there's some concerns there. You know, <laughs> Snell is a two time Cy Young Award winner, but boy, did he walk a lot of people last year. It's like, is this? I don't know, but but I am curious if you think this is really like organic guys not getting signed because teams are actually concerned or if you feel like there's a little something fishy going on it's hard to say i think that you can't look past the fact that those the big names at least are all scott Boras clients yeah. and i don't say that negatively at all like the man's a legend right he's the best to ever do his job so whatever strategy he wants to take i couldn't possibly argue against but that is his strategy to wait right and here we are these guys are waiting so that part's not a surprise to me at all i think to go back to your comment about each of these guys have warts, I mean, there were a lot of free agents, not a lot, but a couple of free agents who signed pretty quickly. Like, it didn't take very long for Aaron Nola to get a very big contract from the Phillies, right? Obviously, Otani was going to get paid. Obviously, a lot of teams wanted to get it on Yamamoto. Those guys, not that they're perfect, not that they're flawless, but teams didn't really have a big problem committing great deals of money to those guys, you know? And I think, so, you know, your point here is, like, would Cody Bellinger help a team probably i think so i i don't know what to make of him no he does so it's like you want him on your team but do you want to commit 250 million dollars over eight years and to me it's not even about the money like for the most for most people listening they don't really care if the owner of the team has more or less money in their pocket right Mm -hmm. but if you sign a player for that amount of money you are expecting him to be a superstar and the inconsistency of the recent track record, it makes it sort of hard to believe that that's what's going to happen, you know? So I think a lot of it is about, I just don't, I don't know what to expect from any of these guys. Like Snell is at two really, really good years. 
and then he's never as good the next year, right? So if you're paying him off of his best year, and then the next year he's you know the goodish pitcher that he, he usually is, that's you want you want to have these guys in your team because they'll help you. But I don't necessarily think you treat them like they're oh Juan Soto's on the market, right? Like Garrett Cole's on the market. Those are guys you have confidence in, and I'm not sure I have confidence in all these guys. Yeah, even. If- I mean, I like the deal for the Giants to have for Solaire, but I thought that yeah. uh, to me, that was something that I would, as a Tigers fan, I still think if you look at some of the the numbers with hard hit numbers and barrel, that they improved a little bit. They improved drastic, improved somewhat from 2022, but I still think Detroit needed another right-handed bat. And, and Harris addressed that today at spring training that they were kind of looking around, but they didn't really get that bat. And so, I, you know, like, just even just projection wise too. I just don't. I still think that Detroit needs another bat to kind of really put themselves over in the in the AL Central. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we all we we knew this was going to be a very thin free agent market for position players, right? And mm-hmm. you know, Bellinger and Chapman were the top two, not counting Otani, I guess, because DH only. And they've kind of continued to be the top two. So I agree with you. But if you're not going to get Chapman, and I don't think Bellinger is really a fit here uh, because, you know, Torkelson's got first base and the outfield looks pretty decent, as far as I can tell. If it's not going to be Chapman, then who, right? Like, who is the obvious upgrade? Um, and I think about the third baseman who moved. I don't think you were going to have a return engagement with Eugenio Suarez. Probably not, mm-hmm. you know? So while I think Chapman is still the obvious fit, um, I think that's true for a lot of teams. And it's like, are you bringing in a DH only kind of guy? You know, obviously you've had experience with JD Martinez before Justin Turner might've been a fit, but I also think that they don't necessarily want a guy who's just going to take up DH. I think this is probably a roster where you're going to have some DH time for Kerry Carpenter, probably a little bit, whoever's not playing third base with, you know, the constraint and Beerling and maybe Torgelson a little bit too. That just seems to not be the direction they want to take. So, I think in some sense, it's see what happens, right? See, like, let the guys who are there play. You know you're probably not going to be that far out in Central because the Central's not very good. See who clicks, and then maybe at midseason go out and get a bat based on where you are. You know, it's also so hard to tell with this team. There's so much variance. I think they'll be better, but I think they'll be great. Probably not, but I could also see it going either way pretty quickly. Yeah, one of the things we discussed is it, 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 the roster seems uh, inordinately uh, made up of, of – really volatile players a lot of young guys and a lot of older guys who are not necessarily older but but guys who have recent injury history and it's just it's it's tough to know uh you know the, the team could explode in a million different directions i think um one one other uh i just want to touch on some more statcast stuff uh real quick uh i think the last time we talked to you we said uh, it would be cool to have kind of a, a 90th percentile exit velocity or 95th percentile exit velocity and then, you know, a couple months ago, I was just looking at leaderboards and, and I see this thing up there. I go, EV50, what is this? And it has a little new next to it. And I think that's basically your guys' answer to that. It, it's the the 50th, I guess the average of the 50%, the hardest 50% of balls hit. It's that, do I have that right? Yes, um, yes that's right. But it seemed like it was a relatively quiet rollout, as it were. And I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or if there were any articles along the, that, that talked about that that I missed. Uh, no, that one just kind of got added. I, I write about most things, I guess not everything. Um, so that wasn't one I put up, but um, Tom Tango feels pretty strongly about that. And obviously, you know, using these things in percentiles makes a lot of sense because, you know, I think we've known kind of since day one that average exit velocity doesn't tell you that much because 
there's just so much garbage in there, right? Like there's at a certain point with exit velocity, if you're if you're hitting it 40 miles an hour or 60 miles an hour or 70 miles an hour, it doesn't matter, right? It's no. different flavors of the same garbage batted ball. Whereas like fastball velocity, it's it's a pretty tight, you know, band. If you're throwing at 95, probably 90% of your fastballs are between, you know, 93 and 96. It's not like there's a 40 in there and there's a 60, right? So average exit velocity has not been super helpful. So the first thing we did to get around that was use hard hit rate, right? Which is percentage of batted balls over 95, which is much better. And then, yeah, you can take uh, various percentile bands. Uh, my friend Davey Andrews at Fangraphs, I think, tried to test every single one. Like he did like EV1 and EV2 and EV3 and all the way oh, up. 122 Which, or whatever it is. Yeah. And I, I I appreciated that very much. I thought that was a really clever way to look at it. And I have seen a number of different studies that have kind of all come up with different answers, I think. Right. So I know a lot of people use EV90 because I think it's very easy to explain mm-hmm. and it makes sense. Tom presented some data that said EV50 was the better way to go about it. I personally don't have a strong opinion either way. I think there's different use cases for all of them. And uh, yeah, EV50 is the one that's uh, up on the site now. Yeah, I think uh, when we asked you about it before, you're like, well, I just kind of look at hard hit rate, which is uh, totally fine, right? Like that's, I mean, 95 plus, like you said, that that's when things start to get fun for batted balls. I think it was batting average over 500 or something like that and slugging. Um, but the and, and the other one, I, I think we talked about last year, and I f- feel like there have been some kind of uh, mild inferences that this may be coming is, is, is looking at actual bat speed. Um, and I know you didn't want to talk about Javi Baez earlier, but but the, he's the one that that it keeps coming to mind to me because when I look at him, I go back and I look at, at video of him, like the infamous, uh, you know, when he he ran back to home plate to avoid getting tagged. You look at his bat speed back then, and it it just looks faster to me. Uh, and I don't know if you guys actually have bat speed stuff coming or uh, if you can even hint at that sort of thing, but uh, I did, that just was something I wanted to touch on. Yeah, I don't need to hint at it. Uh, it is coming. All right, it will be. There's. I've, that has been our big off-season project. Um, I, the only the only thing I can't give you is it's only gonna it's really only gonna start in 2024. So I can't yeah. tell you if Javi Baez is bad speed used to be faster or not. We've put out some pieces of content using um, just looking at the 2023 data, but that's mostly going to be treated as test data, right? It's like it was the first year, and there are some ups and downs with the technology and the data quality, and that's all been sorted out. So like. We wrote about swords, for example, mm-hmm. um, to show that the technology like could be used in that way. I'm actually writing about one now, which I think you'll laugh at, which is uh, I'm looking at the biggest swing and misses. And what I mean by that is like who oh, missed by the most, yes, <laughs> which I, like I think that. is cool. So the the biggest one, and you'll see Speaking this. Probably um, well, so that's the thing, right? <laughs> yeah. The biggest swing and miss was like 4.7 feet. Right. That's how close the bat ever came to the ball was 4.7 feet, which is a yes. wild swing and miss. And when I tell people that, the very first thing they say is, that was Javi Baez. Right. And it wasn't. Yeah. It actually no, yeah, it was but... Trey Turner, believe it or oh, not. I'll be uh, darned. But everybody thinks it was Javi Baez, which is very mm-hmm. funny to me. That's a, yeah. It's like I could swing and miss by four feet. But, uh, <laughs> I would do it. I would do it a lot. No, but there's one of the one of the last things too we want to talk about was what are, what are some of the things that are new this year for baseball savant that people can look forward to because every so often I, mean, I I'll, we still have some of the fans who will chime in and they'll ask us how do we navigate the board and I just say just got to practice at it because it takes a while but uh, what what can fans look forward to to research this year? 
Well, it's the year of backtracking, right? So that that is the big new thing. So uh, there's going to be more than one rollout, right? Like what we put out at first is not going to be the only thing that ever comes out. So like the low-hanging fruit is swing speed. That's obviously the number one thing people are going to want to know about, uh, which I think is going to end up being like moderately interesting because unless you're some wild outlier, like, you know, mm-hmm. Giancarlo Stan, right, or, or Otani, um, there's not a huge spread among spring, uh, swing speed for guys. But um, I was looking at the top of the leaderboard the other day, and it's cool because it's like eight guys you'd expect, you know, like mm-hmm. gods like Acuna. I think um, Julio uh, Rodriguez is up there. And then there's also like, oh, hey, Matt Walner. That's kind of cool. Matt Walner. Right. Swing and miss distance, like I said. The other thing I uh, that we did that I'm pretty excited about is I wanted to try to find a way to show guys who have long swings and short swings. I think I think Baez will pop on this one if you've actually watched his swings. But I want like you go to the bottom of the swing speed list, and I'm almost positive Luis Rise is going to be there. Right, mm-hmm. just does not swing fast. And I, I don't always want to have these metrics make him look terrible in these things. He's a very good player. It just he doesn't hit the yeah. ball hard, and. uh I wanted to see if we could show like swing distance in the sense of being like quick to the ball or, or short to the ball or a big loopy ass swing to the ball. Right. And we came up with a cool way to do that. And that's going to show that Arise is like quicker to the ball when he starts to swing than anybody, even though the swing itself is not fast. It just doesn't travel as much distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you can tell, this stuff is all going to take like a year to explain. <laughs> so that's just like two of the or three of the metrics. There's like, 15 we want to do they're not all going to come out at once um which i know people are going to get upset when the first leaderboard doesn't show attack angle like it will it's just so many things at the same time um so anyway to answer your question bat tracking will be most of it um still working on getting a minor league version of the search page up because a lot of the minor leagues are plugged up i may have promised that last year and we just (laughs) didn't happen yet but still being worked on and then um some smaller stuff too like i said maybe we can do like you know seam shifted wake leaderboard and um a whole bunch of other stuff but that's the that's the main stuff what's interesting what's interesting about rise too is every time i see him there's always those videos on him on twitter where he's working on his wrists being faster and it's all like it just seems like it's all like uh, maybe lower body or something but it's always like he seems like he goes quick right through i mean okay it's off a tee but still it's just oh man every time i just see that it's just i don't know no, that's that's I have, a good, I have a good arise number for you. So I, I was looking at this in the test data and I sorted every miss by like largest miss distance, you know, 4.7 feet to the least. And I had to go down something like 6,500 and something before I got to the very first arise miss, which oh, wow. is wild because he does A, he doesn't miss, and B, when he does, it's not by very much. I thought that was funny. That'd be awesome to see that for Tony Gwynn. When, oh yeah, well, there's, or see Gary Sheffield's bat speed and his prime stuff like that. We're like, oh man, yeah, no, th- th- that's you know, it's as always. You guys have dug into it more than even I thought of, it. and like, yeah, that would be awesome to see who is who's most consistently missing by the fewest amount or the, the smallest amount and the most amount. So that'll be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to that a lot. I, you know, I I always look forward to all this stuff though, and then that way I could put it into our inside the numbers uh, segment every week, uh, which is uh, standby fries. The, the the last thing, uh, and I actually had, hadn't honestly hadn't thought of this until you brought it up earlier, but uh, yeah, you've done several broadcasts with Jason Benetti, and and the Tigers signing him was huge and was awesome news. And I'm just curious uh, if you got anything to to tell the Tigers fans to look forward to with Jason. 
Yeah, I was going to be so happy. And I, I have to straight up admit my bias. Like he's not just someone I've worked with. Like I consider him a really good friend now. Right. Like I love him as a person and uh, the way he broadcasts a game is really, really fun because he's so smart and he's so inquisitive, but he likes to have fun in the booth. Right. And it's like, it's a long season. There's so many baseball games. So obviously he's going to, you know, be interesting and tell you something about the game. You didn't know. And he's going to, be inquisitive and ask the right questions, but he's also going to make you laugh because it's long, long season, especially in the American League Central. There's just so many of those games. <laughs> and if you want to have bit watch baseball and you want to learn something about baseball, but you also want to have fun at the same time while doing it, Jason, I think, is the best uh, in the game. I was very fortunate to get to work with him and to get to know him. And I really think Tiger fans are going to be pleased. His stuff with Bill Walton. Some of the games he does with Bill Walton are even like the basketball games and stuff. And then he did when Bill Walton did baseball is some of the best. I mean, I think the one thing about broadcasting sometimes is we always think of the guys who kind of puke into the mic, go three balls and uh, two strikes and uh, and all that. I mean, no offense to Buck Martinez and, and all those guys. That's who I think Just of. Very... Saying his name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's, Just, no, that's, yeah. that's who I yeah. thought of, too, honestly. Yeah, I love Buck, I love Buck Martinez, but I just think of those kind of old-fashioned style. And Jason, to me, is a breath of He's fresh air. Pipes. He's got pipes, but also, like, just the fact he can intertwine pop culture in there. And, Mike, yeah. and we've talked about music before. I, that, to me, is what makes a broadcast. If you can get out of just kind of like puking in the mic, whatever you want to, I don't, anyway, just, yeah, not, not that. only, not only does Jason have a law degree, um, when he, uh, when he first met my wife, I think they got along better when I wasn't there. Cause they could just talk about Broadway shows the entire time. Cause that's basically all they wanted to talk about. I didn't have a ton to add there, but yeah, Jason is well, well read and well educated on a lot of topics that are not baseball. And I think that actually helps inform his his baseball calls a lot. You know, I, he's got a he's got the vocabulary that I wish I had and I don't have. Like he'll drop some words and he won't sound like an egghead. Right. But yeah. he will yeah. drop some really interesting words and just interesting ways to describe something rather than using the same word like a million times over the course of a season. And I think for someone you're going to watch every night, that ends up being really valuable. It makes the, the viewing fresh and interesting. And knowing him like I do. I know he's really excited about the the new challenge here, right? New town, new team, all this, but also uh, new broadcast partners, right? Like he loves working with new people and he's just so interested in everything. And uh, like I said, I'm going to watch a lot more Tigers games this year. I'm sorry to say that means a lot fewer White Sox games. <laughs> well, we're fine with that. Yeah, we're fine with that. Yeah, uh, Mike, thanks so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. And is there any articles you want to promote uh, that you got coming up that fans can check out? Yeah, I, like I said, I'm writing about the biggest misses uh, that'll go up in the next couple of days. And um, because, it, you know, everything about Shohei Otani works as far as uh, getting people to read it. I wrote something about Shohei Otani and uh, how he's going to work in the Dodger lineup, which I think will be pretty interesting because it's about uh, protection from the front, and not from behind, which is oh. one of my fav- favorite topics. Interesting. I'm looking forward to that. She's obese with some of the comments in here tonight. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Talk to you again. You, you too. too. See ya. All right. It is. Uh... Oh, we got you. Where's the camera? Yeah, hey, what's up, you? Yeah, I, I, sorry. Todd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Todd had me going there. I'm sorry. Uh, Todd, for the dose of the clap. All right, that was a way to end the segment there. Thanks for Mike for joining Cameron. us this evening. So, uh, Cameron, good to 
see you on the board. How you doing? Cameron's stealing my look. Good. Yeah. <laughs> it it's a little cold in here. I don't have wow. uh, I don't have any uh... brother from another mother. Look at that. Were you guys uh, were you guys already broadcasting or were you just watching us? Oh, we're just watching along. It was oh, great. All right, well, cool. All right. A lot of fun. Well, welcome yeah. aboard. Let's uh yeah, thanks again to Mike Petriello. He's always yeah. uh, awesome and, and fun. And last time we ended up talking to him all after the show for about 10, 15 minutes about music. And he was, I think he was showing us that that cool guitar that he had behind him, the baseball guitar yeah, that wasn't was hanging awesome. up yet. Um, he's in a band, right? With a couple other baseball writers. Yeah, he's in a, there's a guy, I believe from Pitcher List. He's in a band with, I think, I'm not hundred percent about that, but uh, yeah, he's, he's quite the, I didn't realize that Jason, Benetti knew a lot about Broadway, so that's that's a good thing. You know? <laughs> we have to ask him about urine town. I'm going to ask him when, when I get to spring training uh, next week, or actually, if I I'm leaving Saturday. So thanks to everybody. By the way, I wanted to mention thanks for everybody who has donated. If you want to donate now and continue to get that uh, going as well, there is the PayPal link that I have in the show. It's going to be in the show notes, and if you're watching us live on YouTube, is there right now? So Saturday, I'll be leaving. Uh, sometime Saturday morning, Tom Gage, who today I got my uh, baseball writers association. There's, also, there's never oh. been, an, never been anybody happier in their uh, baseball writers association picture. I love that picture of you. You're smiling oh. your, your ass off. Yeah, great. Uh, props to my uh, old congratulations. Co- thank you. Props to my old coworker Molly, who um, I have to cover the barcode because. Uh, oh, gotcha. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you. you know. Yeah, but hey. uh, props to my co- old coworker U of M Molly for taking that picture. And yeah, it there was a funny. It was it was interesting. It was um, Tom. I went to go meet up with Tom Gage, the legend, legendary Detroit news writer. And he recommended some chicken places to check out in Chattanooga because I'm chatting between, I'm debating between going to Chattanooga or Knoxville as a halfway spot to stop because 17 hours by yourself is quite the ride. So uh, that being said, I'm just trying to figure out where the halfway point. So again, thank you for everybody who's donated that that has gone a long way. That's going to be paying for gas. And uh, again, props to Sherry cousins who I'm staying with and, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there for the start of uh, Monday. I'll be there Monday through the next Tuesday or Wednesday after that. So I'll be sitting around for a couple of games. I might do a road game too as well. We'll see how that goes. So, but yeah, let's go on the show. Quite a bit has happened today. There is, it pretty much sounds like campus started. And yep. so, it, I mean, it, 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 by all intents and purposes, it seems like there's a lot of people there already. But of course, not all the players are not there yet. But Pitchers and catchers have reported, and we're seeing the best shape of your life kind of stories. We see, we do see a slimmer Wilmer Flores, who I'm doing an article on right now for Motor City, Motor City Bengals, and kind of going into looks like he's lost a little bit of weight. Is he a reliever? Is he a starter? Kind of going into that. And uh, yes, I agree with you. 17 more hours. We need to get some more on my playlist there too. So, um, three episodes of Hardcore History. Oh yeah. <laughs> that guy goes on for two hours, doesn't he? I mean, he's a really no, yeah. it's like five hours, and it'll be like four parts that are each five hours long. It's insane. About like the laconic phrase. You're like, all right, settle down, history guy. <laughs> yeah, some of those yeah, he tends to go on some long-winded rants too in that too. Um, but uh yeah, so speaking of by or rather Flores too, Hinch automatically told every uh first bit of news is that he told Jackson Job and Ty Madden, you're not making the team. So that that which is fine. I mean, that's what we kind of wanted anyway. 
And uh, bias reported earlier. I know people were kind of, it, it, again, Cameron, I think, I think this year what I'm going to do is try and get you a, a Javi Baez shirt at some point to hang behind you um, as, as a solidarity supporter, like Baez with a fist like this or something. It's funny because I've never even given my opinion on Baez. All I've given out is like yeah. stats. Like, yeah. I've never said if I think he's going to improve, regress. I've never said like what they should do with him. All I've put out is stats of what has happened, and somehow that's been turned into I'm a huge bias supporter, which I'm not, but we can get into that uh, probably when the season starts because there's no point in crapping on him right now. Yeah, Yeah, you know, there's there's, there's an art to putting out stats, right, that uh, you could say, like, this this is – you put these stats out to kind of counter whatever the narrative is there or or confirm it or whatever, but basically where you – with with Javi Baez, if you're not screaming that he sucks, then you believe that he's good. Basically, is what people think. And it takes on a life of its own. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's a, that's a narrative he's going to have to fight until he gets better or whatever. Yeah, whatever. In terms of like what batting average or not striking out like that. Although he's been striking out like that his entire career. Well, so I'll tell you, my my. My buddy Rob was like, you know, Abias should just kind of shorten up and try to put the ball in play. I was like, well, the bad news is that's what he did last year. Uh, it was the lowest strikeout rate and lowest power output of his career. And it's kind of like, you know what? No, <laughs> go back to hitting home runs and we'll live with the strikeouts. But um, you know, I don't know. I like, who knows what's going to happen with Baez? When Petriello was on just now, I was one of the things with the bat speed measurements. I was wondering if they're going to do like uh, a two strike measurement. To see oh. who actually shortens up and who doesn't, you know, who keeps hacking for the fence and who goes the other way. I, that, that kind of stuff would be kind of interesting. Well, hopefully we'll be, we'll be able to search that and we could figure it out ourselves. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a good thought. I didn't th- consider that one. That was a fun interview. I mean, it's going to be really uh, interesting. To, it's it's just so cool with all the statistical research that's gone on over the last you know couple decades uh, that there are still these new avenues to explore. Uh, with the technology growing and and you know people coming up with new ideas, um, gives everybody something to look forward to. If you're you know statistically inclined, and we are, what with metrics, we are, yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> no, go ahead, Chris. Oh no, no, I was I was just going to bring it back to spring training. Like I I think uh, you know it's so early, but we we got our first injury report right, and it was uh, pretty fortunate there compared to what we saw from the Orioles today, where they had you know their, their top catching prospect is hurt, what a uh, two of their pitchers are hurt, all that stuff. Um, where the Tigers, it was as uh, you know Riley Green is recovering, and um, Garrett Hill is a little bit sore, and there was one other. Was it Dylan Dingler had had yeah, a little bit of a, uh, but other than that, they didn't really mention much, right? No, no one going on the IL. Which is, Which is, yeah, yeah. It, it, we talked about the other day. This is the first spring in the last four or five years that I can remember where somebody didn't immediately go on the 60-day IL so they can make room for somebody else. I mean, it's not they didn't suffer the Baltimore syndrome that yeah. happened. I mean, Baltimore is already, and they were talking about there's already interest in getting Jesus uh, Zario from the Marlins or something to that effect. Um, yeah. Or Dylan Cease, right? Yeah. Dylan Cease, yeah. So, and the other, it was interesting was the Casey Mize Arbor arbitration quote that we pulled up here and quote we thought differently and then we're able to resolve it that's it there's nothing personal to it i love being a tiger just as much as i did today as much as today as i did when i was drafted i love it here and there's no bad blood 
with anybody here. End quote. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, you know, you're reading the, the sorry, there were some full quotes there that it, it first he mentioned, he was like, you know, that's a pretty big number and I don't expect that it'll be met. I expect to go be going through this again next year, ARB2. And when I first read that, I'm like, oh boy. And then I read further and he said, basically, what we talked about is, is there going to be restrictions on him? He, he won't be able to get the innings probably unless he goes out and puts like a, a one, two ERA up in 80 innings. He probably won't have the innings to justify a $3.1 million contract or whatever. But uh, I don't know. Casey Mize has always been a thoughtful, uh, you know, smart guy. And so he kind of understands that. And and it's, I appreciate that, you know, that he's not super upset about it and he seems to know the score. It's still a bummer for him. Yeah. And even with the other part of that too, you just said, he said exactly that. I'll quote, I'll just say it's unlikely to be exercised. That number is just really high. And then he mentioned the, what you said about the, Arb too, but he said he's glad it's behind him, uh, behind them. End of quote. So it makes sense that he just he is happy. He should be happy that it's done. Nobody wants that hanging over their head, you know, going into you know, get it done, move forward. He's had such a long road back, you know. Why have that hanging over his head too? And that was one of the things that Scott Harris mentioned at the the Colt Keith press conference, right? Is that some players you, they just they don't want to worry about the financial aspect of their, they want to go out there and, and dedicate themselves to playing. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to come back up in a year, but I'm sure Casey Mize, like you said, I'm sure he's happy to just be out there throwing and back with the guys. And honestly, I think he would be happy if they gave if he gave them 100 and 120 innings. I mean, mm-hmm. if if he could do that, that would go a long way. Especially with the Tigers being, or you you expecting to go nine or ten deep this year, in terms of rotation wise. So it, it, you have, I would be happy with just ninety. I know it sounds weird to say ninety, but if you can give like ninety to hundred hundred innings in that sweet spot right there, considering that what he's, the two surgeries he's had. I mean, you, you think about it, he's had two surgeries. That's not. People, mm-hmm. there's this, there's this thing out there that people think that he's just going to come back and throw, be 150, 180 inning, but he's never even been at the most innings he's thrown one year, I believe, is 130, 150, like, 150. Okay, 150.1. That was that 21. Okay, that was 21. Okay, 30 starts, 30 starts. Okay, I guess, uh, I guess the good thing is the Tigers have the depth where they don't need him to throw. 100 innings they have other people they can plug in for him yeah and that and that right there it goes and you see a, a sign a signing like jack flaherty where that allows the tigers to have that luxury of not having mice put that pressure on there and you're also interested in seeing the reason why i brought up reese earlier with mike was some of the numbers there and i know jerry somewhere our, our data guy over at tiger mother reports just saying it's going to happen. There's some stuff there that is promising to indicate you might step up this year, but you're not going to, there's so many little things that the Tigers can go to mm-hmm. pitching wise. It's the bats we're concerned with. We'll get to that in a second with what, uh, what they said about the offense, which was kind of speaking of I mean, Scott Harris basically said they considered all options as winner, but ultimately decided that Mark, Canha was the only major offensive acquisition. Quote, if you look around the diamond, there's a not there's not a lot of ton of bats available for another everyday type bat, end quote. Yeah, I, I know some people took that comment to be like, okay, so we're not trying, right? And and uh I mean you you could say that. I I just I think 
I take him at kind of at his word there that he does believe that they have youngish players at every position. And, they, and honestly, they kind of do. I mean, you yeah. go around the diamond, you know, Jake Rogers is still relatively, he's like 27 now or whatever, but still relatively young in his career. Torkelson is in season three or whatever. Colt Keith is going to be a rookie. Baez is obviously the vet. And third base, like Veerling is still relatively young, right? Veerling, Ibanez, McKinstry, none of those guys are, I mean, they're all a little bit older, but none of them have a ton of experience. And then the outfield, it's Carpenter, Green, Meadows, and Canna. So the, there are a lot of at bats they're going to young guys that they want to find out if they're going to be pieces of the future. It's just, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much more we're going to learn about Matt Veerling. Honestly, I, I, I suppose there's more ceiling there if, if he can alter his swing, because there are a lot of good things in the underlying data. It's, I don't know. I, I guess I don't want to give up on him yet, but I also don't necessarily want to just, you know, give him third base. Uh, but maybe he's talking about Veerling McKinstry, Ibanez as, as a whole there. I don't know. Yeah, so I think the Tigers only have, what, two position players that are on, like, actual MLB contracts that aren't arb- arbitration. So, Can and Baez? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, Carson Kelly, maybe? I don't know, uh, but but yeah, but yeah, still. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, so there are young bats. Um, I think Scott Harris said, like, the quiet part out loud. Like, it's kind of weird to tell fans, like, yeah. eh, whatever. I like our young bats. And to us, like, that, that's fun. Like, there's a lot of volatility volatility there and they're going to be good some days they're going to be bad i think he said that i think he legit said that they he built the pitching rotation up as a way to make it so they try and stay in close games no matter how good or bad the offense is and after having a bad offense for seven years now that's the last thing tigers fans want to hear and i don't hate the quote but it's just weird to say it out loud i think You know, the Tigers, the thing about it, and you can say this about every team, but they're, I think, uniquely stacked with team players with high volatility. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team could really go in so many directions. I mean, and, you know, we've, we've speculated on some of them. Uh, it's it's gonna be, it's hard to make a prediction right now. I mean, I'm, I'm going to wait, wait till the last second. Um, because, you know, you look at Riley Green. I mean, do you get 140 games or do you get 80 games? Uh does Javi Baez give you anything more than, than the zero of bats uh, uh, of a hitter that he's been? You know, we talked about Casey Mize. I think that, you know, you go back to him for a second. If he can give them 125 innings, that's the number I've had in my mind. You guys are saying 120, 90. I mean, it's, you know, we're all in the same ballpark. I go back to the fact that if this John, Tommy John surgery is very effective for him, we have never seen him, even back to the Auburn days, fully healthy. So I think there's a ceiling there that could really shock us. I mean, whether that's a 5% chance of happening or a 10%, I don't know. But I think that could be there. And then you look at Matt Manning. I mean, you guys talked about him with Petriello. I mean, yeah, he doesn't impress anybody, but he, until he gets hit hard, I'm going to believe in him. Hopefully he can stay healthy and, and think that he's someone that can contribute to a, a, a playoff rotation. Well, I mean, you really see – uh, the, was something that would that would interest me with Detroit Tenner said was Dan Dickerson and Pat Caputo said they really want to see the Tigers go get JD Martinez in a one year seventeen million dollar deal. You know, you would like to see that too, mm-hmm. but I, I, I it, in terms of Deadly Ninja Bees, going back to what Nin, Deadly Ninja Bees said, which is we've done nothing and we're all have ideas. I think to a certain extent I agree with that because I think. <laughs> 
Skyers must like Iowa football then in that case. Um, yeah, that's, that's, but, that's a, <laughs> a direct quote from, from Ned Flanders is beatnik parents. We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas, man. Yes, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I, I, it, that's one of those things like I don't think anybody would be upset if they went out and got a big DH bat at all. It's but it's like we try to be realistic and it just there's there's nothing to indicate that they want to do that. And, and right. we've talked before about A.J. Hench seems to really love flexibility above all and to be able to get Riley Green off his feet for a game or two or Kerry Carpenter or Torque or things like that. I think he values that more. And I think Scott Harris values A.J. Hinch's input. Uh, but honestly, we don't know. I mean, maybe if we talk to them privately, he'd be like, I'd love to have J.D. Martinez, just not in the cards, or we don't have the money for it or whatever. I just I find it insane that, like, if you went up to A.J. Hinch and was like, hey, do you want J.D. Martinez, that he would say no. Like, it's just like a good to elite bat in the lineup every day. Yeah, no, you're probably right. He'd probably be like, yes, absolutely. But uh I don't know. Yeah, I, I assume it leans more toward, toward Harris here or Harris and Illich here than than Hinch. But uh, oh, we always forget too that the, the player has some input there. And, and JD Martinez, he's got one World Series, uh, but maybe he wants another one before he retires, or, or maybe he's not ready to be the aging vet on a young team. Maybe he wants to be part of a a pennant contender. I, I don't know. As far as that goes, I mean, there's somebody brings up and, and Richard in the chat brought up. Being DH from Malloy and Big B, as far as Big B goes, and and there was finally we got some clarification today that uh, essentially Malloy is going to be in the outfield. Despite, mm-hmm. I mean, and it makes a lot of sense. Like I said, Harris said that back in August when we were down at Comerica. I see some time. The uh, the, at, the at bats everything suggested otherwise, but then maybe it was just out of really out of necessity. So Malloy would probably have to hit his way on be on this ball club and there's some numbers that indicate that things have to go right with him and for as far as Bigby goes look I, I i would have to see more of a sample size than before i just would give him like it, you, you, you do all the numbers you want in spring training but again it does it just it's just spring training and that's with something that you have to kind of with especially with justice Bigby, i would have to see a little more sample size before i would Put him on there and open his chances opening your roster are like zero to nil. Yeah, so. no, I mean, he's not on the forty man. Yeah, just like Malloy, so they're not gonna like hold a spot open for him. He would have to go out and and absolutely torch spring training pitching, and then in in a way that you go, okay, this is legit, right? He's not, you know, hitting an eighth inning home run off a a ball pitcher. He's he's in there in the first inning and and crushing balls left and right off Garrett Cole or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think they're holding necessarily. I think it's more about Riley Green and Kerry Carpenter and Spencer Torkelson and guys like in Canna, the DH this year, than, than Big B and Malloy. I think Big B and Malloy, honestly, are kind of next year's problems, if you will. Not not to say that they're problems, but I, I don't see either of them making a big splash, at least early in the season. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. And, and for Tiger fans, I know that the t- Tigers are, when you look at some of the projected where they're supposed to finish, third place, what have you, I would just like to go out there and see what they can do first before just making some sort of decision. Would a JD Martinez decision be fine by then fine. Fine by me. So I I'd be fine with that. The other the other thing I wanted to get in, I wanted to have some I wish I had audio of this, but uh Torque Derek Scooble was on with Chris Cassinelli's podcast. Was it Chris and Friends? Something like that. And his Chris asked him a question and 
you know what? Uh, I'm going to, you know, at some point I'm going to make this a piece of uh, audio. Uh, it's going to be a drop on the board, but uh, while, while we, while I look for that real quick, the quote was simply quote, doesn't care about being an ace wants to be known as quote, a good pitcher. Pardon my language. Chris and company. Thank you. <laughs> Chris and company. So yes, he just wants to be a good effing pitcher. No. There's nothing wrong with that, folks. Chris, uh, apparently uh, a reference to the uh, 80s Detroit area talk show, Kelly and Company, <laughs> which, which very few people remember. But uh, yeah, I remember because uh, Kelly didn't the, the host to John Kelly also have really curly fro. He, he did. Curly, he, yeah, he had yeah. like a like a Phil Jackson uh, white Jerry curl. And the, the other host was his <laughs> wife, I think. But no, that, that was a really fun interview with, with Tarek Scoople. That was an awesome get by Chris. And, and Scoople's a, a, a fun guy. We've talked before. Scoople reminds me a lot of Max Scherzer in terms of his intensity. And and uh, and so, uh, I don't know. That was, that was cool. And I think the Tigers could do a lot worse than having Scoople front the rotation. He's uh, If he stays healthy, he's going to put up some numbers this year. It's it's good to hear pitchers. It's good to hear a ball player swear. Like yes. when you have them in front of the locker and they're after a game, and it's just so boring. But hearing like a raw interview where like he had, he showed emotion. He talked about twenty twenty two and Alavila and like I mean, great interview. Please mm-hmm. please go watch it. Yeah, because a lot of times, and I'm, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, a lot of times you were having. You're absolutely right. Cameron, the biggest thing about these interviews sometimes is, or when they're in front of the locker room, it, it's cliche after cliche after cliche after cliche. I mean, you can literally do the drinking game and just what cliche is going to say next, you know, and just it's crap. Yeah. Up. It's crashing new working on the cliches in the box. <laughs> yeah, both teams played hard. No, I, I think it is interesting once once you become an established big leaguer. At like Scooble is now, I think that loosens your tongue a little bit. Sometimes we we talk to these minor leaguers, and they're for the most part they're pretty, uh, you know, guarded in what they say because you, you you're not there yet. But Scooble has got a taste at the top of the heap, and and so he's not afraid to say what he wants to say, and it's it's very refreshing. I got some audio here. I had to learn that the hard way. I, <laughs> right. I've given up 35 homers in a season. I know how to give up run and they were all hit hard so it's like i i know how to go over home runs but in 19 i threw 75 percent fastball you know yeah. in the minor leagues and it worked but it's like hey this is not gonna work unless you have like this crazy 25 inch ride heater you know mm-hmm. like a joe ryan where he's got that vaa where it stays really flat and he can kind of just pump heaters or uh, land when he was really rolling yeah, but even he was – they say fastball. He was 60% fastball, but he was cutting and sinking and sticking four-seamers, and he could dot a Nats ass. So that's different than what I could do. You know, I was like, a, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to throw this pitch right over the middle of the plate, and they hit it, and I had to learn the hard way. Like, yeah, they can hit him. You know, Nelson Cruz hits fastballs right down the middle, 440 feet off the, the – you know, at Comerica, the statues in left field. You know, he does that, and he gets paid a lot of money to do that. So, yeah. And then Nelson kind of learned the hard way. Nelson Cruz hits pitches against anybody in a Tiger uniform. I've learned, learned that the hard way I figured, over the years. I don't want to say I figured him out, but I started getting him out a little bit more often. So did, did he, just in time for him to retire. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why he's like, hey, I don't get to face Scoobo anymore, so I might have to call it. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. Because um, yeah, he was he was one of those guys that was ageless too. Like, by the way, it, <laughs> there was a pitch last year when he was in Toledo. Remember that, Chris, where he oh, threw yeah. a fastball and. He knew he got away with it, and then he just turns around and makes his face. He's just like, 
Yeah, we had that. We had the Scooble Grimace uh, uh, gif there in the Discord for a while. Yeah, that's. And, and by the way, um, you heard him mention VAA there. The, all the pitchers speak this language now. The the that's mm-hmm. the vertical approach angle. They they all speak TrackMan and Edutronic and all that stuff now. So uh, it's you know that side of the nerd war one for sure because these pitchers believe this now. We talked to guys in the minors. Lyle Lockhart was talking about his vertical approach angle and his horizontal movement and stuff like that. This it means a lot to these guys, and so. Uh, if you haven't gotten yourself educated on it and, and you care about that, you might want to. If not, whatever, the player, the, as long as the players know what they're doing. And by the way, this, oh, go ahead, Cameron. It's funny hearing him uh, talk about throwing 75% fastballs because last spring training, Matt Manning was talking about how Al Avila had him only throwing fastballs and didn't have him developing pitches. And then they got to the majors and they were like, didn't know how to, how to have a pitch mix and how to get people out properly. And, Luckily, school will, uh, you know, it, found out. That's wrong. That, that, you know what? He's so wrong about that. So wrong about that. Because remember, Chris, we're in Jim down Leland, Toledo. Yeah. Jim Leland was yelled like, dude, throw the slider. I thought, I thought he was complaining about him throwing the slider. I don't, uh, it's, it's been a couple of years, but I thought Leland yeah. was complaining about him throwing a slider. And sp- I, either way, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about it many, 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 many times that, that, under the old regime, the, the players and the minors just seem to be on their own trying to figure things out. And if they made it through, they made it through. Uh, and, and things have changed dramatically since then, which for the better, which we've seen reflected in all these various uh, prospect uh, rankings that we've seen come out over the last uh, few few weeks. And the latest one was the Fangraphs top 100 today, but that wasn't a huge shock because they had already put out the Tigers top 34 or whatever. Yeah, just the Jace Young ranking was surprising because he was in the yeah, top, top 50. 50. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I look at it as the progress of what they've been able to do with some of the players. And even on the development side, like I said, when we talked to, I think it was six, six seven different pitchers last year, all developing a changeup. It's, you know, th- those are the kind of things you have to pay attention. Those are the things you got to pay attention to or that kind of stand out a little bit. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it was just the whole interview itself was really well done and, and props to Chris for getting it out there and, and, and seeing something different because a lot of times when you're down and meet these guys, they're very, very, it's rehearsed. Not to say rehearsed mm-hmm. necessarily, but it was no, as good as Dave. Yeah. I don't think they, they very often tell, tell you exactly what they actually feel, <laughs> which is yeah. understandable, right? You don't want to make waves and, and get in trouble with the front office before you're catching that, uh, you know, minor league or major league minimum salary, at least. So a couple other items to go with the, the city connectors. The it's coming out this year. There's no been no release about it, but I did see the new Nike jerseys mm. and the names on the back are smaller for some unknown reason. Weird. And it looks so stupid. I've seen the white Sox one. Uh, Michael Popcheck Kopchak was on there and it was on Twitter. And I was just, I almost had to use my glasses. I know I get an eye exam soon, but good Lord. Why? 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 What? What? So you could put the league, the league symbols bigger. Is that what it was? It's it's below where it used to be now. I, I don't yeah, know. I, below the neckline, the the that line they put on the back, the shoulder. The no, it's are also curved for some reason. Even if they don't have a long name, it's like still curved. For yeah, you know, I, I just mentioned the other day. I think one of the last shows about how I I. I'm the last person who notices like jersey changes or logo changes or numbers. And 
this is an obvious change <laughs> and it's yeah. obvious like in the worst way like everybody who's right they're saying they look like jerseys and they're absolutely right they look really poor quality and they just don't look like big league uniforms and uh who the hell knows why they've done this uh i mean they're I getting publicity in good comment. jersey yeah neither have i and uh yeah it's it's dumb well, no, you know, Mike Trout. Course. Mike Trout tweeted this morning oh. saying he liked the jerseys. So, oh, really? Like yeah. That. Don't look at the Nike sponsorship. He He's a company has. man. Just... He's a company man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I. Some people know this. I collect jerseys for my son. Right. He has mm. probably the best jersey collection around, at least in Iowa. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so I, I, I pay a lot of attention to these things. And yeah, they're they're, they're just not great. But I was happy to hear the Tigers are finally on the City Connect list this year. Uh, very interested to see what that what they do with that thing. Unfortunately, over the course of the last three years, as MLB has rolled these things out, they kind of got away from what they were going to do. The first few City Connect jerseys, the whole idea was to kind of connect with something about the city mm-hmm. uh, that was unique to that city and that ball club. And they were doing that at first. You know, they did the Cherry Blossom Festival thing for the Washington. They did the Wrigleyville for the Cubs and so on. But the last year or so, they really got vanilla. I mean, for Pittsburgh, they did basically the same colors, and they did the uh, airport code. Well, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> Thanks. <I> mean, <laughs> and, uh, and there's several other uh, examples of that. So I am a little worried what they're going to do to the Tigers. I have said since day one. I don't know if I've ever said on this show, but I don't know what the licensing would be, how big of a problem it might be to get, but it just makes so much sense to go to Motown Records and say, we want to use Hitsville USA Mm -hmm. because Hitsville would make sense for a baseball team to put that across, have some kind of musical motif on there and pick some good colors. And I think you got a winner. I fear they're going to go something to do with the auto industry, which every, you know, any jackass could have come up with that idea, you know? <laughs> so, um, so we're going to see, uh, hopefully they'll surprise me. And if it does say hits for the USA, I want to cut. Look at the, here's, here's the thing with the cope check. Look at this. You know, this reminds me of when you play for a little, little league team, right? Mm-hmm. And you get that Jersey that you've been waiting for that MLB type Jersey. And then you get this. That's what it reminds me of. That's those are like, I, I, so growing up, I played for the quote unquote Tigers, right? I didn't even get my name in the back unless I made the city team. So when I made the travel team, we got the Blue Jays. It was the worst Blue Jay knockoff I've ever seen in my life. But the Blue Jays were the popular team, and I, I was like, cool. And I got a mesh hat. Whatever, fine. That right there is gross. That's gross. This is you in comparison. This is last. This is what you normally see. So yeah. you're gonna have binoculars. It's like a big league uniform. I like this comment right here. I've seen high, I've seen higher quality fakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we need we need Chris Sale to come save us from this. They're brutal, <laughs> just like those um, from the WBC last year, where the ones Great Britain had. Remember oh those? My God, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they looked like they were iron-on letters, <laughs> and they literally fell off. Yeah, they yeah. did. <laughs> well, and that was one of the other things I've seen is is how sloppy the um, you know the 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 button in the front, how the letters don't meet. And it's just it just looks really poorly made. It's uh you know, I'm hoping we might have a scenario, uh, I don't remember 10, 15 years ago, the NBA could like change their basketballs heading into the yeah. season and it like hurt everybody's hands. 
and by the middle of the season they change back so i'm hoping that that there's enough of an outcry that they change back but i it seems unlikely they probably have you know hundreds of millions of dollars invested in this stupid nonsense yeah it's 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 a, it's a money thing and you're right the the by the way the city blossom jerseys that they're getting rid of them that's a so this is the last year they're having them. The Nats City Connect. Yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah. A lot of people think they're going to come up with a new City Connect. Oh, yeah, uh, just keep doing it every couple of years. Yeah, because like the Dodgers this year, that's actually going to be their second hmm. City Connect jersey than the one they're going to come out with this year. So it could well, be a running theme. I know we we heard some some rumors. Uh, I think Ghost Mav in our Discord had said that he had heard that the, that the Tigers one is just going to be kind of like navy with a white stripe on the side. Um. I, I, who knows? Like I, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out when it happens. But if it's anything I, like, if it's anything like the indication of their batting cage hats that I've seen, where they had the stripe across, oh, wouldn't surprise me. Then honestly, there's so many. Okay, I, we're not the fashionistas here. I mean, we're three men or four men here. That I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not the. My son is more. He understands fashion. He knows that stuff. I have no idea. I mean, I collect fitted hats and I'm wearing a wool shirt. But the Tigers have so much history they can draw from. They can draw from a lot. They can draw from the, the crack tiger that they used to use all the time. They can, the red tiger, that red tiger that looks all deformed. You, there's so many different things you can do with that. But then the city connection, outside of the auto industry, besides Motown, there is, you can do the history of Detroit in a sense of like, from a historical standpoint, from the, with the flag, the color, the city color flags, you could do something like that. You could do a lot of different things because Detroit is one of the oldest cities. I mean, it's a French colony. You could, there's so many things you could do with it. Yeah. And then you're just going to go, yeah, stripe and call it a day. It's just. That'd be a shame. That'd be a shame. Uh, but there's so many different ways you can go. I mean, it, you're also talking about Corktown. There's the different various neighborhoods. There's Corktown, Mexican Town. There's Midtown. You have that angle with Wayne State. You have the angle with – there's so many ways it can go about it. And I, I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be some marketing intern and Nike gets – this is his big breakout, and they gave three uniforms, and they just went like this and just – No, I, I mean, it, it almost feels like, to you's point, like it, it went from having some sort of city uh, character to almost like they're trying out, like, prototypes for new uniforms. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. this is – so look at this one, and maybe we can apply this to everybody. It's – yeah, it's – and the project really lost its way. We'll have to wait and see, but I'm not expecting big things. Yeah, I like the uh, what Bada Bada Bing said here. It should be a, just a jersey with pictures of runners and Coney dogs on it. Delicious. You know, yeah. my son's uh, Milwaukee Brewers. It says Brew Crew and it has a big old grill on the on the sleeve. You know, it makes because you're grilling brats in Milwaukee, baby. You know that made no. sense. They don't do don't fun agree. stuff like that the last couple of years. No, that would be that would be good to see. But so we did. Uh, there's also in terms of the TV radio crews. A quick uh, shout out to officially Greg Gagne, who now will be in the radio booth helping out. So Dan Dan Hasty will be getting some games too as well. So shout out to Dan for that. Congratulations. And then the lead color commentator I think was named was Craig Monroe, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think they said eight, eighty plus games for him. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Carlos Pena is going to join the booth this year. So I like that a lot. It gives him a, another different voice out there. Todd Jones coming back was somewhat a surprise to me. Take it or leave it. There was a there was an outcry for more Andy Dirks. I don't care either way, personally. Um, yeah. 
I don't know if they announced who would be all be on the radio, but I, I think he was still going to be part of the radio team, right? Yeah. Bobby yeah. Scales is doing uh, all the road games, and then it's going to be Dirks, Alex Avila, and during the home games. I think there was another name thrown in. Oh, Dan Petrie. Yeah. So. No, I mean, that's good. I, I like Bobby Scales a lot. I've, I've always yeah, liked too. Alex Avila uh, in everything. He was one of my favorite Tigers players. I like yeah. him as a commentator, yeah. uh, uh, so I'm glad that they're keeping him around. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the big thing is is against, remains Benetti, right? And it was yeah. fun hearing Mike Petriello talk about him, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, hopefully the, the play-by-play is going to um, be more enjoyable, and, and that's going to lift the whole product. Uh, but uh, again, we'll see. I it, <laughs> So only so much you can do if the, the what's going on in the field isn't uh, that much fun. Yeah. It'll be fun to see if he comes up with a new regular shtick like he had with Steve Stone where they uh, would sing the nationwide insurance song. They would harmonize <laughs> yeah. every game. Uh, it was really fun. They, they, had, they, made it, they made it funny, you know. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if nationwide even does any uh, advertising with Detroit, but uh, I'm sure there's some other things he can probably conjure up. Yeah, I mean, imagine if there was a father and sons. We're father and son. I mean, the Michigan's guys. Do it? Oh, yeah, that would yeah. be. <laughs> Maybe a little, uh, yeah, Dietrich Furs, uh, Charles yeah. Kit Reaver Diamond Factory. But yeah, probably it'll probably be Little Caesars. Or uh, Mr. Allen's. Two, nah, oh, oh, rest in peace, Mr. Allen's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be one there. So, okay, we did get a couple questions before we get out of here. And one was from uh, Christian, from the uh, actually from the Ross Report. And he said, what are, you, what are you hoping to see from Jace Young this spring? Well, really, it comes down to the right. I mean, the, the talk was when he did have issues, it was a high heat away and sliders in, right? Uh, hopefully he gets some big league at-bats against quality pitchers, and we get at least some little tiny spring training inkling of, you know, how does he look? against those type of pitches. I mean, honestly, that's what he needs to work on. And uh, this will be the time to get our first glimpse of it on us. You know, for those of us uh, who don't watch a lot of minor league baseball. What about you, Chris? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the main thing for me is, is I want to see more evidence that he's a viable third baseman uh, because we haven't seen much of that. We have a couple games in the AFL. That's the big thing. And yeah, I'd love to see him do some damage against legit big league pitchers. If he gets a chance. What about you, Cameron? Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe have like a Colt Keith type spring from last year where hits a hits a few home runs. Uh, obviously, won't make the team, but we feel good about him going into the normal season. And then, obviously, third base. Give me a video of Trammell hitting some grounders <laughs> to him at third. That'll make me happy. Yeah, I mean, for me, I if I can just see him get some starts at third and see how he does against major league competition. That's all I want to see. Um, and go from there. And I know he'll probably get the lion's share at starts in Toledo. So, but yeah, to see him against major league competition would be fantastic. Uh, fair the show, uh, Pat at tangible Uno. While Torgerson steps forward, got all the attention in 2023, Riley Green quietly improved his OPS by over 100 points and showed some viability in center field. What's your thoughts on Green being Detroit's best position player for the mid to late 2020s? In favor of it. <laughs> yes. I support it. What are, what are your thoughts of the team's execution? Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear because he's a, he's a, a like a Cleveland-based guy, so it's interesting to hear a more a, a more of a national or, or out-of-market perspective because I think that that's kind of been our 
opinion of Green all along, at least for the last two or three years. I remember back at MCB, we ranked him ahead of Torkelson because we think that, yeah, he's, he's a more complete offensive player. Uh, but it was good for him to point out that, yeah, Riley Green really did take a step forward last year. Uh, it just it kind of got lost a little bit in, in the injuries. Uh, but I, it, I think that if the Tigers are to be, you know, a, a division winner in the next four or five years, it's going to be on the back of Riley Green being their their best offensive player. Yeah, if you told me at the end of uh, 2022 that Green's OPS jumped up 100, like it wouldn't have surprised me. The Torkelson part would have surprised me if you told him he hit 31 home runs. I'd be like, holy crap, he did it. Oh, <laughs> he actually did yeah. it. But uh, yeah, I. I don't think anyone here. I don't think anyone who watches the Tigers was surprised by Green's jump in OPS. And he showed, you know, he he, he started to show a little bit of power that I really enjoyed. Um, so now it just all comes down to availability, right? I mean, is he going to get uh, over 600 plate appearances? Is he going to play 140 games? Is he going to adopt an Austin Jackson lifestyle and never die for a ball ever again? Uh, I'd be in favor of it. <laughs> so we'll just have to see. Look, if Green could just avoid the fate, and I've been saying this since all this, since the beginning of the offseason, if he could avoid the, the fate of Brian Buxton and be healthy, that's all I would want. Because when he is out there, he is a difference maker. He's a guy that when you see the outfielders start kind of doing it, a shift a little bit to he can make that extra run. He, he can make the extra play. But, yeah, you just don't want him to have another injury where, let's say, he's just running the second for just, just you know, a trot to second and just something just comes up and then it's season ending. So I just that, – that's my biggest concern. If he just – just love of God, just stay healthy. That's all we would like want. So um, – but so the one of the questions in the chat was, you five guys who get injured this year or for three weeks or more. Detroit, I can't speak that into existence. I'm sorry. I just can't. I can't do it. I'm superstitious. Look. look. Five guys who get injured this year for. Yeah. Look, my father, my, my late father has, there's a Cuban voodoo thing. And I've shown Chris, Chris knows about it. There's a voodoo thing in my garage that I have not been able to get rid of because there's a certain way you have to go about it. Okay. I talked to a Cuban priest about this. I'm not joking. I, I, I'm not, I'm dead serious about this. And I talked to Chris about this too. There's a certain thing you can do. To make sure you, it brings you good luck. I'm not going to go into it because it's weird, but it is one of those things that. <laughs> look, <laughs> I just, I, I, there's not. I mean, I'm not a very religious person. But I used to be. I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I'm not religious anymore by no stretch of imagination. But when I, when that kind of, when that kind of stuff with that Cuban voodoo out there, my garage and all that, nah, I don't, nah, man, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not doing it. I just can't. And good conscience. Is it our second Bull Durham reference? Are you cutting the head off of a chicken? Uh, no, no. It's just we, one of the things you have to do is like you kiss the ground, you do a little dance thing, and then sometimes you put candies to let them ferment. Um, it, the religion goes back all the way to like the 14th century or 14th oh, century. Oh, no question. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah, there's some. Um, you know, yeah, there's yeah, there's some things to it. And look, I, it's just like it's like Pedro Serrano. That part, like the part of Major League with um, Joe Boo, there is a that part of it real. That's <laughs> real. No, I swear that Cuban voodoo Santeria, mm-hmm. you'll fuck yeah. with that. I'm sorry, you'll screw with that stuff. I don't screw with it. And that, oh. yeah. If you go down to New Orleans, ever man, you see a lot of voodoo culture. 
all over. Yeah. Joe, Joe, Boo. Joe Boo better than Joe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I disagree. But, uh, I think Joe Slider is possessed. Um, yeah. We did. Uh, I, I do see a couple more questions, at yeah. least on Twitter. The 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 czar asked us where do top pitching prospects start the season? Joe Madden, Flores, Herder, and Wilson. I assume he means Wilson, who they just drafted last year. Who I, yeah. I I'm going to go ahead and say starts the year in the complex league, which is now actually a month earlier this year. That was an article JJ Cooper put out that they've they've moved up the complex league baseball up a month, so the season their season starts a month earlier and ends a month earlier, which is uh, kind of interesting. And there are a whole bunch of different implications with that but uh I, you know wilson, uh, wilson's coming off i don't know if he had tommy john surgery but he definitely had elbow issues last year so I, I wouldn't expect him to start in full season ball yet the rest of the guys we've kind of talked about before right like we we think jobin madden again it kind of depends on who gets injured in the big league camp if the tigers go into the regular season with six healthy starting pitchers which seems unlikely then they're going to be a couple big league starters in toledo which is going to push the backup starters back down to Erie. So we're pretty sure that Job is beginning in Erie. He only had one start there last year, and it wouldn't be a shock if Flores, Madden, and Herter are all there too. I don't know if uh, anybody has any other opinions there. No, I – I no. yeah, I think Erie's going to come back with like a, a stacked rotation. I'm going to see Joe, Madden, Herter – you mentioned Chris. There's going to be – even their bullpen I think is going to be stacked. There's just going to be a lot of repeat offenders there. And I think, and Tyler brings it up right on cue, I think with that rotation, they have the potential to make the playoffs. Because if you look at Baltimore, a lot of Baltimore, Norfolk, which, I mean, they dominated last year. Baltimore's system single-handedly took away the AAA title with no problem. I think Toledo, with the talent they have this year, could do the same thing. But it really depends. Uh, Baltimore, I don't think, is as deep pitching-wise, depth-wise as the Tigers are in terms of a trip from a triple A standpoint, but we'll see. I mean, I, I... plus I'll have a keel Badu leading yeah. the charge on offense. Well, that's, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, they're, they could have Badu Malloy and Bigby as their outfield all, all next year with Jace Young at third. Like there are going to be four pretty darn good offensive players in that lineup. I mean, they you probably need more than that, but um, yeah, it should be a pretty fun, fun team this year in Toledo. Yeah, and you got Eddie's Leonard at short. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, he's not. Yeah, Leonard yeah. and per- Winslow Perez will probably still be hanging around. And, yeah, and uh, base. Dingler probably because his catcher. Like, th- yeah, I mean, there's some some name players down there. It should be a, a fun team. But you, you never really know, right? Like uh, last year, last year they didn't. They kept all the pitching prospects in Uri and, and it was a bunch of just dudes, really, not to be mean, but it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, just yeah. a bunch of not even dudes. I mean, guys, dudes yeah. are dudes, guys are guys, and there were a bunch yeah. of guys there, and, and and so we'll see this year. I but. always said they got their rotation off Craigslist. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was for Toledo. It was, it was uh, not always all that fun to see, it, but it was uh, a lot of it was a lot of this. Who's that dude? Yeah, it was. It really was. There was a lot of guys coming from 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 nowhere. Um, I will say. Uh, oh, go I ahead, camera. Uh, sorry. Where you guys think uh, Montero starts? Kyder Montero. Is he Triple A or bullpen? I, I think I think that given the shape of of the bullpen they have right now, I think that that he'll probably start in Triple A as a starter. But um, it's interesting you bring that up because because one of the other questions we got from Field Diamond was he he was saying of the best pitching prospects not named uh, Job Olson or Gibson Long, which one will pitch with the Tigers first? And uh, my immediate thought was Kyder Montero. Yeah. 
because uh, mm. he's on the 40 man it's it's him and, and flores are the two guys in the 40 man and montero was the one with he's got better stuff and and got closer to the big leagues last year makes sense yeah and you look at what he can do with his slider shape and his don't look at his number i mean his numbers in toledo are deceiving because it was the same thing with reese olsen reese olsen's numbers before he got called up were not on paper it was just like what are we doing here <laughs> but montero when you look at the advanced numbers and movement and it just he the, some of the games i watched him last year the way he was sequencing his strikeouts he with his slider fastball just the way he can elevate his fastball and then go away with the slider it, it, it's good I, he's really good and i i hope he stays personally for selfish reasons i want him to be a starter Tigers don't have a lot of international starters. In fact, outside of, I mean, you know, Sandy Baez, Gregory Soto, who made some starts. But that's, I mean, I'm trying to think of anybody else right now that's not named. I mean, Anthony Castro made him a starter too, but they haven't really had a guy who has stuck around. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, we'll, we'll see there. Somebody asked if there's any scenario the Tigers consider Trevor Bauer. Absolutely not. They want character guys, and and they want – Kind of a, a certain profile. We have a, we have enough league minimum pitchers at home. We don't yeah. need. And, and you know, people. I've, I've seen other people mention. You know, the, the, there's there's a, a small segment of you know, oh, Trevor Bauer was exonerated or whatever, but he's got other cases pending against him. There's been other charges. And and above all, he just strikes me as a guy who basically has like oppositional defiant disorder. Right, like you just you can't tell him anything. He's right about everything, and you don't want guys like that in in your locker room. Uh, because, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna disagree with something that the team is trying to do, and they're gonna bring other players with them, and it's just not good. Terry, I really, Terry Francona hated him, which I think says <laughs> enough. Yeah, sure. And how much payoff would there really be? I mean, if obviously if you got the absolute peak Trevor Bauer, that would help any team, right? But when you look at his record over the years. He's not that guy every year. You know, there's no. some years where he's kind of, you know, he's just good, not great. I just don't think it's worth the, what it, the downside has such a darkness to it. Yeah. I just wouldn't, wouldn't go there. Yeah. I'd rather them take a, a shot at a 4A pitcher who well, might have some left in the tank. Well, it's like, probably like, not bad, but I'd rather them get Wander Franco than yeah. uh, Trevor Ball. That's true. Yeah. Well, like, like, you know, like Cameron said, like they have more than enough bodies right now that they don't need to, to be inviting that in for, you know, however much even, I'm sure he's saying he'll play for the minimum or whatever. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'd rather give Ty Madden some starts and see if you've got something there for the future than, than bringing that into the clubhouse. Yeah, and Tyler brings up a good point there too about yeah. throwing a fit when he got taken out of the game. Kansas, stuff. Kansas City, right? Didn't he throw the ball out into the, the fountain? Yeah. Terry Frank is like, what, what the fuck's wrong he with you? He called him a literal psycho walking yeah. up to the mountain. <laughs> he was like, what are you doing, you effing psycho? Yeah. Oh, so, uh, it, yeah, there's not a lot of people in baseball who who have anything bad to say about Terry Francona. So, yeah. Um, the only the, the only other question I saw was actually from Steve Cook. He said, sure, I'll bite number projection for Keith, Colt Keith. Ooh. Uh, well, I mean, let's face it, right? He's in the lineup. He's going to be in the lineup, so he's probably going to get 130 games, 135 games, right? If yeah, he stays healthy, I would think so. Uh, there's no reason to give up on him. I mean, if he, even if he starts slow, 
<sighs> and can he can he post a three thirty on base and hit seventeen home runs as a rookie? I think that yeah. I mean, I think that's my inclination. Um, I guess the one thing that 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 you can't foresee is if he goes out there and, and looks like Nick Maton at second base, right? Where like like Maton did at third, where like okay, we can't play him here. And he's got to go back to Toledo. But I think otherwise, yeah, he's going to be in the lineup. And I, I think he'll probably struggle for the first month to six weeks. He may be hitting around the Mendoza line. But I do see him hitting about 250, 255 by the end of the year with 16 to 20 home runs. And probably a, you know, a decent you know, 8 to 10% walk rate. So that's probably close to 330 on base percentage. I think that's reasonable expectation. I'm going to go with – he could, he could make a run for the, for the rookie of the year and get them a nice uh, healthy draft pick. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you know what? I'll take I you know 260, 20 home runs, 75 RBIs minimum. That's what I expect. That's Will it happen? I, mean, I think that's a reasonable I, I would put it a little bit on the high end, but I think it's totally reasonable, right? Like yeah. uh, he's got that talent. And if you know if he's hitting like that, he's probably batting fifth or sixth in the order. So the RBIs will probably be there. Yeah. And rookies tend to get some rust now and then. That's why I kind of said 135 in games. You know, I don't know yeah. if we played every day. That might be a little questionable. <laughs> Detroit Degenerate says 50 bombs. Yeah, what the hell? Let's why go not? for it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the article today? I I, I, I enjoyed reading it. It was by um, uh, Jason Beck. It was kind of the – he knew this was coming. It was kind of the wistful, Miggy is gone for the first time since 2007 in that locker room and – Guys talking about how quiet it was today uh, yeah. compared to his normal chatter. So, uh, yeah. But, but it is a changing of the guard. I mean, these last few years, obviously, when he was the greatest hitter on the planet, that was a big part of the identity of the team. Uh, the last few years, it was kind of the long, slow goodbye. Um, and that's over now. And now it's just, uh, it's going to be all talk, you know, all positive talk about these young players and this new wave of talent and where this team can go. And it is kind of refreshing. Yeah, no doubt. And I'll just say this because being down there is one of those things where I last year went right before he gets in the clubhouse. Everybody's just, it's very quiet. And then when Mickey comes in, it just kind of wakes up a little bit. So I'll be interested to see how, who's going to be the next guy that kind of talks quite a bit. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, beyond that, like we talked about it before uh, for the early part of last year, when things weren't going great, Basically, the only guy who would talk was Eric Haas, and he's gone now. So yeah. it, I am curious who's going to step up. Is it going to be Mark Canna to be the kind of the guy that the, the talks to the media? Is it going to be Jake Rogers? Is is our Green and Torque going to do it? Jake, um, I get Jake Rogers does. I mean, Jake Rogers does really did a really good job talking to the media. Torque and Green, it, it, it really depend, uh, but I don't see you know like just. There was a lot of times it was Jake Rogers when Eric Haas wasn't around. So, uh, you know, who also talked to the media a lot, too, and was kind of low-key about it, was actually Jose Cisnero. I saw Cisnero was talking to the media quite a bit there. That was a, it was always a cool sight to see. So, yeah, as far as that goes, I mean, it was just funny. when Whenever Spencer's Herbal pitched, the mood was really weird. It was really weird in the clubhouse. <laughs> just, <laughs> just for my personal opinion, this is my personal opinion. So, but on that note, thank you so much for listening. So next week's show, I'll be live down in Lakeland. I will be doing the show maybe by the poolside to be a jerk. No, um, because Sherry has a pool, and um, so I might might set up my gear out down there. But uh, no, in all seriousness, 
I'll be driving out there Saturday, leaving Saturday morning. Tom Gage of Detroit News gave me a couple places to check out when I, um, he said, check out Champies in Chattanooga. That's one of the, half, the halfway spot. Specializes in chicken, yeah. not limited to the chicken, laid back, great vibe, not expensive. We go every year in route to Florida. So if the great Tom Gage of the, the Detroit News tells me to go there, I might stop there. Tom will not steer you wrong. No. Tom is a, he get, like I said earlier, he gave me my pass earlier, and it was just kind of one of those cool moments. And we talked for a few minutes, and it was just, again, meeting somebody who I read and admired growing up. It was kind of cool. That's kind of cool. It was really cool. What am I talking about? <laughs> um, but, again, if you want to donate, there's a PayPal link that I put in the chat. It's going to be on the show description. The reason why I did the PayPal versus the GoFundMe is because it gets quicker. But either way, it doesn't matter. If you already donated, thank you. We really definitely appreciate it. And yeah, next week's show, I'll be down there from let's see Monday. I'll be there Sunday after night. So Sunday till the 28th or 29th, depending on how everything works out. Very so cool. I'll be down there for a bit. So until then, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, everybody. D1 baseball starts tomorrow. Shout to Brian Sikowski. Duke Blue uh, yes. Devils played 11. Yes. <laughs> uh, shout, out to, yeah, shout out to Brian, who is now, he showed up today a picture of him being on Team Bus. That's so sweet. So congratulations to Brian. So thanks, guys. We'll see you.